Welcome to the 22nd episode of the official As Began podcast, hosted by Dr. Alex Nicely. Alex Nicely here from his farmhouse kitchen in Kerment, Hungary, speaking with Professor Hanya Shaevska, who is in Warsaw, if I've got it right. I can see her office behind her. You can't, but it's a lovely office. <laughs> Professor Shaevska has a long and distinguished curriculum vitae. She took her medical degree in Poland, in Warsaw, in 1984. And then, like so many of the people we interview, she went on to win all the prizes and to, and to sail from international posting to international posting to international posting, then returning home in order to rise to the top of the tree there. She chose a tree to rise or to climb, I should say, that isn't very familiar to me, because it's, the, it's another aspect of nutrition. It's the aspect of biotics, probiotics, symbiotics, prebiotics, postbiotics. And this is a new world for me, but I've got the best possible guide, and so do you. Hanya, welcome. My pleasure to be with you. Let's start with definitions. I've got on a piece of paper in front of me these four words, probiotics, symbiotics, prebiotics, and postbiotics. For those who, like me, are just starting out at a negative level of knowledge, what are these? Well, I will briefly try to explain, starting with a term biotics, which does not is not well defined in the literature, but we are using, as you said, for those three probiotics, prebiotics, symbiotics, and postbiotics. But let me start with the first one, which are probiotics, and these are live microorganisms that, when given inadequate amounts, will confer health benefits. So live microorganisms. Then we have prebiotics, and some people are saying this is like a lunch for microorganisms, which means there are substrates which are beneficial, which allow the growth of some of the beneficial microorganisms. And then we have symbiotics, and in a very simple way, it's like giving probiotics and prebiotics together. It's a probably okay. oversimplification. Okay. And finally, we do have a relatively new term, which is a, a postbiotic, and these are, are inanimate microorganisms, but still conferring a health benefit. So you can see we go from live microorganisms through lunch for lunch for, for microorganisms, two of them together, and then inanimate microorganisms. I think that I've got that now, and I hope to remember it through the course of the interview. <laughs> so now, where in your professional training, in your post-professional training, did this become an interest of yours? What said, what said to you, Hannah, come, be my bride? Well, that's a very nice question. And I can tell you when the first time I heard the term probiotics, which was at the meeting Espegan or um, 
a joint meeting, ESPEGAN and NASPEGAN, European Society for Pediatric Gastroenterology, Hepatology and Nutrition, and, and our North uh, American colleagues. It was in Houston. There was a meeting of the working group, and someone was discussing the study on probiotics. I did not know what is the word probiotics. On Lactobacillus rhamnosus GG, I have never heard about the Lactobacillus rhamnosus GG. But there was a peep discussing a clinical trial, and the question was asked, is there anyone from Eastern Europe who would like to, to, uh, to, to join the study? But and just a I moment, you're in, the back, you're in the back of the room. Yes, and I was in the meeting of the working group, in the meeting room uh -huh. of, the, of the working So I uh -huh. raised my hand without yeah, knowing yeah. what does it mean, and <laughs> I said, well, I'm from Poland, from Eastern Europe, and I would like to join the group. What I came a way back, to go! <laughs> I, I went back home to Poland and I was trying to find in, in encyclopedia, there was no internet <laughs> at the time, what does it mean, this word probiotics? And it was not really, the, um, uh, it, I couldn't find it. So it took me a while, I started the study uh, to be part of the clinical study without really truly knowing what, what, what does it mean. And of course, it was a long time that we, we published a very nice, we, we performed a very nice study. It was published. Of course, in the meantime, I learned what are probiotics and many other biotics. But this was the beginning. I really, I, I just wanted to be part of this, you know, part of this exciting scientific world. I really love that story. It is, it is the antidote to all those stories about <laughs> don't put up your hand, never volunteer for anything. But but I also um, I'm now I'm imagining you on your flight back to Poland, in the airplane, saying uh, to your chief, a boss, <laughs> I've just committed our institution to participation in. A, how did that go? Well, this was well, but he was you know I had a very good um, boss who really thought well if the young person wants to do it something let's her do it. Let her do it. Yeah. So what was this study that? That you refer to the one that had well good it was one it? of uh -huh. the study first was on acute gastroenteritis and then it was on acute gastroenteritis and the use of oral rehydration solution with lactobacillus rhamnosus gg one of very very first studies on uh, which was done uh, with the espegan so long time ago uh, also, there are many other colleagues from various countries, so this is how I started to know many of the colleagues from various countries. And we, 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 we jointly performed this study with over 200 participants. Uh, mm -hmm. The study which really like was the beginning of the use of probiotics for the management of acute gastroenteritis. It was led by Professor Stefano Guandalini from Italy. That's a name. Uh, who then mm -hmm. moved? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Who, who then moved to the to the United States a long time ago? A long time back, right? So that was your jumping off place. And where were the, what were some of the next steps along your route? Well, I would say organizing an important step in my life was organizing the Espegan uh, meeting in Warsaw. Um, or even I would I would start it differently. Going to the Espegan summer schools, which were organized for by by our society, which is like a training course, you know, for a week, and mm -hmm. then you go, mm -hmm. then you go with uh, like a small group, let's say 25, 30 participants, approximately the same number of of uh, uh, faculty. 
And again, I was probably the only one from Eastern Europe at that time. Oh. And after a week, you start to know a lot of people and you also start to know a lot of um, members of the faculty. So that was really <clears throat> changing my my professional life. It opened a lot of doors for me. Then I was uh, lucky enough to be involved in the organization of the Espegan meeting in Warsaw. One of the, not the first one of the in Eastern Europe, but one of the first uh, in Eastern Europe. And it really, Espegan really changed my professional life in a very good way. Almost everything I would say at the beginning was because of the society. That's the network and the personal developments side of what's been a spectacular career. Yeah. But let's talk about learning the names of other bacilli and design study and organizing other studies. And how did you branch out? How did you take that field forward? Well, then it, then it was easier. I mean, you start to know people and you start to do clinical trials. And um, uh, I would say then the next steps were much easier. You are just interested in, in exploring each of the microorganisms to see whether or not they work. I was interested in evidence-based medicine. I was really interested in clinical mm -hmm, research, in mm -hmm, conducting mm -hmm. randomized control trials, really to assess each of the probiotics, whether whether it works or not. And then... We, I was able to have a number of collaborators in my department who like young people who are now working with me and we are doing a lot of clinical research, which I think um, we, are, we are able to answer some of the important questions, clinical questions, because this is what we are always trying to do, to answer clinically important questions. So to combine an interest in microbiota, in biotics, but also in evidence-based medicine, in clinical research. There are so many ways that the use of probiotics could go. Uh, I, for example, um, although this may be far-fetched, the use of fecal transplants. Yeah. Isn't that a form of probiotics? Well, not exactly, because uh, it contains some of the mice, but fecal microbiota transfers is something that you have like a, uh, the stool, the poop, I would say, uh -huh, uh -huh. and you transfer one person to, to another. This is extremely fascinating area of, of, of research. Everything starts with the interest of the microbiota and the role that microbiota play in the mm -hmm. in the etiology of various diseases, many diseases, including including very serious diseases such as uh, Clostridioides difficile infection, very mm -hmm. severe infection, inflammation of the gut. And uh, this fecal microbiota transfer, then that you transfer the stool, I would say, from one person, healthy person, to, to the person with a disease, it's one of the success stories, I would say, um, because you can really reduce the risk of the, of the infection. And, and the, uh, it's now, uh, I would say, the standard therapy for recurrent Clostridioides difficile. Fascinating area. Many other indications are being studied. In the future, we probably will have it more standardized way, but this is definitely one of the areas of research interest for many. However, that, excuse the pun, the play on words, but that approach to reorganizing the enterobiome proceeds from bottom up. And what we're talking about in probiotics, symbiotics, and the rest is usually top down, orally ingested modifications of the enterobiome or of the enterobiome's yeah, when, environment. 
You are absolutely correct. But when we are speaking about fecal microbiota transfers, well, there are ways also to give it orally, for example, in capsules. So, you know, there's a whole area of, uh -huh. of, of research uh -huh. interest now, how you can do it in a way that will be more more acceptable also for the patients. Uh, yeah. So, for example, having these, um, the, the, having in, in, in capsules, it's something that is more and co more commonly used, I would say. We are not doing it in our department. There are some other colleagues who are doing it. Uh, but this is a way you can you can do it. So yes, capsules. This is one of the forms. Well, I've taken us, I think, a little off the track that I meant, or I hoped that we would follow, and that's my bad. I'd like to talk about some of the clinical indications for uh, use of probiotics or their varieties, and one of them, of course, would be antibiotic-associated diarrhea. Yeah. when we've damaged the enterobiome or damaged its environment and we have to try to set it right. You're, you're absolutely correct. Mm. Antibiotics are really uh, disruptors of the disrupt one of the disruptors of the microbiota, very strong disruptor. And with the use of antibiotics, what <clears throat> is the risk that we will have antibiotic-associated diarrhea? So prevention of antibiotic-associated diarrhea is one of the well-documented indications for the use of selected probiotics, because we know that not all probiotics are, uh, are, uh, will, uh, are equal, that each one of them has to be evaluated separately for its efficacy and for its safety. So I would say probiotics as a group reduce the risk of antibiotic-associated diarrhea. However, it's important to choose the right, the right probiotic. For that, of course, you need, um, well, you need to know what you're doing or you need to have at your elbow somebody who knows what she is doing. And that's what Espigan is particularly good at, is assembling and presenting specialized knowledge to make it possible for a practitioner to have that person metaphorically at his or her elbow. I understand that you and, your, and the Espigan research group, clinical research group, have been working on putting together exactly guidelines of this sort. Have they appeared yet? Yes, they have just been published online, uh, and I hope it will be very soon in the printed version of a Journal of Pediatric Gastroenterology, Hepatology and Nutrition, so the journal of our society. And yes, as you said, it was a, there are, uh, this is a document which was developed by the whole group of my colleagues, and I had the privilege to be part of, those, of that group. This is a special interest group on microbiota and gut modification. And these recent guidelines on the use of probiotics for selected, selected gastrointestinal disorders, this is one of the most recent outcomes of our, of our work. I'm going to ask you to help our listeners to take part in what you might call an information transplant now. That is, I want you to pep up our intellectual enterobiome with a capsule version of those guidelines. What are, what are some of the more important things from those guidelines that you'd like to share? 
Okay, so first of all, I think it's again, and allow me to repeat again that not all probiotics are created um, equal and each of the probiotics has to be evaluated separately. So this is the first take home message. The second, that there are certain indications for, you, for which selected probiotics can be used. And I will give you two examples. The first is uh, prevention of antibiotic associated diarrhea, which we already mentioned. And there are two probiotics which are being recommended, which are L. rhamnosus GG and Saccharomyces boulardii. The same two probiotics will be also recommended for the treatment of acute gastroenteritis. Of course, the most important, the key management is rehydration and proper nutrition. However, the, 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 the physicians can also consider using uh, one of those two, uh, especially those two. There are two other probiotics like uh, Lactobacillus reuteri and the combination of two others, which are mentioned in the guidelines. But what is important, it's always in addition to rehydration, never instead. An important question which people are be, uh, often ask is what you can expect when you use probiotics oh, for yeah. the treatment mm -hmm. of acute gastroenteritis. And this is a reduction in the duration of diarrhea by approximately one day. And people may say, one day, does it matter? Well, well, when I have done one of my very first uh, meta-analysis and there was an effect that probiotics reduce the duration of diarrhea by one day, I told my husband, who is a cardiologist, who doesn't, doesn't know anything about, about uh, pediatrics, and I told him, look, it's useless, it just reduces the duration of diarrhea by one day. And he said, Hanya, did you ever have diarrhea? Because if yes, you would have known <laughs> that one day less in the toilet makes a tremendous difference. So it shows you that the interpretation of this effect size may be different by two physicians. It will be the same with our, with our patients. So these are the two indications. There are other diarrheal diseases, like prevention of nosocomial diarrhea, that you can use some of the okay, probiotics. Okay. You can also use it in addition to Helicobacter pylori uh, um, eradication uh -huh, uh -huh, because okay. it will reduce side effects like um, uh, uh, Saccharomyces boulardii is one of the probiotics. For some of the functional gastrointestinal disorders, we can use we can use some of the probiotics. So there is a number of specific conditions for which selected probiotics can be used. That is great. Well, we've got the toolkit now in front of us. Right? Yes. And we can, together with the video on YouTube, we can <laughs> we can start to attempt our little bit of home do-it-yourself work here. Uh, but I, there's engineering, and then there's the science behind it. Do you have a few words for us on how probiotics make a difference? to how the bowel is working? Well, do you mean like what is the mechanism of action of probiotics, if I understand you correctly, yeah? You, you put it much more concisely and better than I did. Thank you. <laughs> okay, I wish I knew uh, or we know the exact mechanism behind how probiotics are working. However, there are still some mechanisms which are which can be can be discussed. Like for example, there is some kind of 
competition between, you know, uh, on the on the receptor sites between, let's say, these beneficial bacteria, microorganisms, or these harmful microorganisms. This is one of the mechanisms. Competition for the for the uh, nutrients. So, of course, if there if there is a microorganism which will eat everything, like let's say glucose, and it cannot be used by other microorganisms, they will not have a food for the growth. So this is another. And very important is the effect on the immune uh, on the immune system. This Whoa. is something which really differentiates various microorganisms. And we are saying about the strain specificity is because not all probiotics have exactly the same effect on the immune system. So it shows you that there is no one single mechanism, but various mechanisms. Like, for example, for immune system, that it contributes to the secretion of IgA, one of these immunoglobulins, which is important for our immune system. So it shows you no one single mechanism, many mechanism and there might be some which will be very specific for specific microorganisms. Wow. It almost makes me want, well, this is a lie, but I'm going to tell it anyway. It almost makes me want to go back to medical school and start again. <laughs> There's so much to know. Oh, microbiota um, is fascinating. I mean, the whole, the whole story of the microbiota, because the interest in probiotics or various biotics is because of the interest in the, in the microorganisms. This is behind the whole interest. And we know that the microbes are not just passengers, that they do have a lot of function. They, they contribute to our immune function, they contribute to our digestion, they contribute to absorption. There is a uh, gut-brain crosstalk through various molecules, you know, and it affects satiety, mood, pain. It's absolutely fascinating. And what we are trying to do, because of this interest in the microbiota, we are trying to do, like, to modify if, if something goes wrong to modify the microbiota, because there are many factors which are contribute to the microbiota, which are uh, beneficial, but many which are harmful. Antibiotics, which you mentioned at the be earlier, this is one of the disruptors of the microbiota, but there are many others. Diet, our diet is also, uh, has a huge effect on our microbiota. Here I'm going to step in and say that brings me to a, your mention of diet brings me to something that I had hoped to touch on, which is that of postbiotics. Mm -hmm. If I have, let's just say that I have a Weizenbier, a wheat beer and not a Kristallweizen, but the Hefeweizen, which still has the yeast at the bottom. And if I have that along with a toasted cheese sandwich, <laughs> There's all kinds of yeast and yeasty beasties and their products in that bread. And cheese, of course, is nothing but a bacterial feast. <laughs> um, those are all um, postbiotics, aren't they? Well, not exactly according to the definition, because okay, when you are talking okay. about the, po the postbiotics, we are speaking about inanimate microorganisms and or the components, if I want to be very precise, and they need to have a proven beneficial effects. In every definition for probiotics, this proven beneficial effect is extremely important. I so put you know, it to you that a toasted cheese sandwich and a glass of beer have definite <laughs> beneficial effects. Well, not in the clinical trial the way we want it, but yes, oh, okay. well. Oh, okay. 
you can you can call it it's also beneficial effect but from scientific point of view what we need it's really like a beneficial effects which is documented for all biotics in 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 well conducted preferentially preferentially randomized control trials thank you so much hanya hanya I've, i'm so sorry to say it but over your shoulder, I can see my producer, Selma Ertl, waving at me, <laughs> saying, you don't have any more time, <laughs> which I very much regret because this is one of those themes that I'd love to keep going on, but not allowed, have to, have to draw to a close. And that's lovely, and I endorse every single word that you have said. I think that Espigan is a brilliant venue, a brilliant forum, for young people to get to know their professional colleagues, to network and to learn, particularly those summer schools. But that doesn't alter the fact that you haven't answered my question. What song are you going to have us play? Mm. Well, you surprised me with these questions, but let me think quickly. Well, I'm not sure it's a song, but I really like jazz. And I think that a person who is really very linked to Polish jazz is Krzysztof Komeda, which is probably the most important, one of the most important artists in the history of the Polish, but I would say European jazz. So my choice would be for Krzysztof Komeda. That it's going to be a treat to listen to. like to listen to the song in full length, please check out our Espigan playlist. Thank you very much for making yourself available for this series of podcasts today. I've had a wonderful time. Thanks a lot. It was my pleasure to be with you. Thanks a lot. <laughs>